Well, tonight we come to some of the most challenging but important verses in our study of 1 Peter. Very important verses here in our study of 1 Peter. I want to speak to you tonight about making the most of your marriage. And we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. I don't think it's any surprise to any of us tonight for me to say that the home has become torn apart today. In fact, to such an extent that I'm not even sure if we have a good idea of what the home is supposed to even look like anymore. In a culture where same-sex marriage was just legalized, the notion of one man and one woman in a committed relationship called marriage for their lifetime seems like a relic of the past, doesn't it? I mean, really, to, to have the idea that, that that's your idea of marriage really sounds like, makes you look like you're somebody from the 1950s who's trying to be leave it to beaver or something. I mean, everybody in this room, probably in some way, whether you've been through it yourself or whether your mom and dad or someone close to you has been through divorce, haven't we? I mean, the fact of the matter is, living together now is absolutely a non-issue to most people. I mean, it's just not even... I mean, the fact that we're even talking about that it's a problem just kind of seems like old-fashioned and just kind of silly. We've really drifted far away, very far away from God's plan for the family. And to be honest with you, in many ways, it, it kind of looks like maybe we can never get back there. But you know what? It doesn't have to be all despair. Sometimes I hear pastors share those kind of things. And you know what? We need to be honest. We need to paint the picture. We need to say, here's the situation. But sometimes I hear pastors share those kind of things, and it almost to me sounds like moaning and groaning. It sounds like complaining. It sounds like, you know, just kind of griping about the situation. I believe we can be honest about here's how bad things are. But we also ought to be given challenge. We ought to be given hope. There is hope for the future. It can be better than what we're experiencing right now. I hope so. Amen? <clears throat> if you love the Lord, it's probably frustrating for us to realize that there was a time, it seems, in our country where we were stronger as it relates to the family, but now we've taken steps back. But I want you to realize this. You know, I just always believe with the Lord there's always hope. There's always a positive perspective. There's always some good news. Can I just say something to you? Yes, maybe our country was at one time stronger in the things of the Lord, stronger in, in terms of our marriage and family relationships. But I want you to realize that during the time that the New Testament was being written, the family was far away from God during that time as well. And God used His people and God used His Word to turn that around. So here's my challenge Let's start fresh and let's start a cultural revolution. Amen. Isn't it kind of odd today to do God's way? Amen. Isn't it kind of odd? Isn't it kind of cool? We can start a cultural revolution. If nobody's living for God, then somebody living for God would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Why don't we start over right now, me and you, and let's say, God, would you help us? Would you help us to understand what your plan is? Now, listen, there's some of us here tonight. We knew what the plan was, but we got off track, didn't we? There's some of us here tonight that, that didn't grow up knowing about the Lord and knowing His ways. And so you say, you know what? I was just kind of at the mercy of, my, of trying to do the best that I could and I got in trouble. You know, whether you knew better and you got off track or whether you didn't know better, you didn't know how God's design was for things and you got off track, let's just open up God's Word and start right now. Friends, listen. God is all about right now. He wants to deal with the past. He wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse that. But once that happens, He wants us to start with the situation we're in right now. And by the way, if you're not convinced to start on this path with us, if you think it's just another option, it's an option. I want to share with you, the Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, 
They're laboring in vain who build it. Okay? It is a futile effort to try to build this thing called a family in my own strength, in my own efforts, in my own way. So today, as we study 1 Peter, I want us to talk about marriage. So far, we've talked about 1 Peter is really, again, an overarching theme of 1 Peter is life is hard. Life is tough. We have challenges, we have struggles, but God can give us hope in the midst of those struggles. But over the last little while, starting in chapter 2, we started talking about authority. We said, you know what, there are structures that have been put in place in this world, some of those by God, and God wants us to honor those authorities. God wants us to learn how to submit, to yield, to respond to leadership in our lives. So far we've talked about government. Government is a struggle sometimes, amen? And God's teaching us how do we respond to government even when it's not very godly. We talked about the workplace. Hey, one of the hardest places to work and to respond to God and to honor Him is at work. And so God taught us about that. So today and next time, we want to talk about the home. And though many people don't like to hear it, there is an order that God has given for the home. There is a structure that God has established. It's not based on value. It's not based on worth. It's not based on ability. But it's primarily, according to God's word, look at 1 Timothy 2.13. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 8. The Bible says very simply that one of the primary reasons that God has established things in the home the way that he has primarily is based on the order of creation. I mean, God created Adam and then he created Eve. And he gives instructions about how men and women can function together in the family. Tonight, we're going to focus more on the ladies' part. Making the most of your marriage, and we're looking at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear." Now, the first thing I want to focus on these verses is in verse 1. God gives us the response a wife is to have towards her husband. Now, it starts out there in verse 1. It says, in the same way, you wives... Now, again, remember, we've talked about how uh, we're supposed to submit to and respond to leadership from government, how we're supposed to submit to and respond to relationship in the workplace. It says, in the same way... Now God's moving to the family. He says to the wife, in the same way that you have people that you submit to in other areas of life, you also have something like that which happens in the home. Ladies, the Lord says that ladies are to submit or yield. I like that word. Yield is to give way, is to say to someone else, no, you go first. And it's really talking about to yield to someone else's leadership. Another passage that talks about this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Now, man, don't misinterpret. That's not saying your husband, (laughs) that you're the Savior of your wife. It's saying he's the head of the church, and Jesus particularly, he's the Savior of the body. You ain't the Savior, okay? That's That's what he's trying to make clear there. He is, but you're not. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, we've talked about 
this word submission a little bit as we've gone through this uh, idea of authority and, and leadership. But let me remind you what the word means. It was a military term that meant for someone to voluntarily arrange themselves in line behind someone else who they were going to follow their lead. Somebody else has defined it like this, to yield humble and intelligent obedience to an ordained power or authority. Or we might say it very simply like this, to decide to follow somebody else's lead. Now trust me, ladies, I don't want to say it because pretty much universally, at least initially, Ladies don't want to hear it, okay? And I ain't out to make anybody mad tonight, all right? So I'm not looking to stir up anything in my life. But unless you want to try to do some kind of theological or biblical gymnastics, it's very clear in God's Word. I mean, you just read it. Don't get mad at Robbie. Get mad at the Bible, amen? It says in God's Word, whatever this means, wives are to submit to their husbands. They're to follow the leadership of their husband. Maybe the problem is, what does that mean, really? And again, let's don't play games. Let's don't pull the rug out from under it. What does it mean? Well, here's what I believe it doesn't mean, okay? And we need to be clear about this because some Christians, especially some men, many churches, I believe have misinterpreted what this is talking about. It does not mean that a woman should blindly follow everything her husband says or does. Okay, that's not what submission means. It does not mean that she should allow him to destroy their family and she doesn't do anything about it. It does not mean that a lady does ne- never offers her opinion whatsoever. It does not mean that she can't offer an opinion that's different than his. And it certainly doesn't mean that a lady is less intelligent or of lesser value than her husband. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, I don't mean to throw my own kind under the bus, guys, okay? But I think most of us guys would agree. You talk to any godly man, he will tell you, we married what, guys? up amen okay all right there's no doubt ladies are very sharp amen <laughs> guys this would be a good place for you all right, yeah there you want to you know you don't really give that one strong all right because your wife's going to play this recording back and make sure okay now in fact to make that clear let's look at some examples this is very clear i mean i think this really helps me the most to begin to differentiate some of this in john chapter 10 verse 30 jesus is equal with god the father But in John chapter 14, verse 28, it says that Jesus submitted to the Father. So in the arrangement of things, in the order of things, how things were going to work, Jesus voluntarily submitted to the Father, and that did not make him of of lesser value. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says no matter who we are, we are one in Christ, okay? And so the Bible says at the foot of the cross, every single person Jesus Christ gave his life for, it does not matter who you are, what your background is, Whatever distinction you want to make about your life, every person is absolutely of great value to God, and Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Equal standing at the foot of the cross. In 1 Peter chapter 3, just a few verses, actually, we're going to look at next week when we talk to the men. In 1 Peter 3 verse 7, it tells the husbands that they ought to treat their wives with great honor. It says, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Can I just tell you something? If you read that from a first century uh, context, that was absolutely revolutionary. That was unheard of, to use that kind of a language about your wife. God says she is an heir together. You should honor her of the grace of life. Think about what God says about marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says the two shall become what? The two shall become one. In Genesis 1, 27, God says, listen, I made them, he created them in his own image, and he made them male and what? Female. 
Okay, think about that image. God created us male and female. If you're working with electrical things, don't male and female things need to be put together? If they're not put together, they're not going to work, right? And so the image that God gives us with male and female is that we complement each other. When we come together, we strengthen one another. We're a team. There's a partnership. Men, you are foolish and you are dishonoring God if you are not including your wife in the decisions for your family. I remember when we were praying about coming to New York. I remember sitting down with my pastor. This was very early on the process. This was in the kind of, hey, we're thinking about this. We don't know what's going to happen. And I remember talking to my pastor. I said, Pastor, you know, I'm praying about it. Shannon's praying about it. We're talking about it. But what if I get to a point where I feel really strong that God's calling us to do this? And, and what if Shannon says, well, I don't think so. He says, well, if she ain't ready, you ain't ready. And that was some of the best advice I ever got. You know what? The two shall become one. If I'm seeking God, if I'm listening to the Lord, if she's listening to the Lord, we ought to come to the same conclusion, right? And we ought to be together, especially on a decision like that. What I do believe submission is saying is that while we all are of equal worth and value, God does, is it not true? In every area of our lives, we have different roles, don't we? We have different assignments. We have different expectations and things that we're supposed to do. Somebody even said, somebody said, even in a flag football game, there's a leader. Amen? I mean, I mean, not that that person says, okay, everybody's going to do exactly this, but somebody's got to pull things together. And by the way, men, I believe with all my heart that unfortunately many men have taken this idea of submission and have made it some kind of like privilege or some kind of, you know, you're up on some pedestal or something like that. I believe that really what God calls men to is much more about responsibility than it is privilege. What a tremendous responsibility to be accountable to God for the leadership of a home. Wow. That ought to, that ought to, that ought to really bring you to, the, to your knees, men. And if there is any privilege attached with it, it's that I get to be the one. Thank you, Lord, to lead my home. That's the privilege, amen? No special, no special privileges except that I get to be the one to lead my family to the Lord and to honor Him. And what the Bible is saying through submission is a wife should not try to take over the husband's role as that point person, as the God-called point person and servant leader of the home. I've seen it over and over again. And listen, both of us need to be challenged by this, men and women. Men do not like to step up and lead like they're supposed to. And when they don't, ladies are glad to. Okay? And we both need to be challenged on that. The men need to be willing to step up and lead and the ladies need to be willing to allow him to lead in those ways. Both in the home and in the church. I've seen that. These verses acknowledge, and we're going to talk about this, he may not always be the best at what he's supposed to be doing, but God has called him in that way. And ladies, do you trust God that God knows what he's doing? Now, I do want to say something to the men. I personally do not think that most ladies would have trouble following a godly servant leader in the home. Hey, ladies, how would you like for Jesus to be leading your home? Who's all for that? Okay, okay. If Jesus were leading your husband and he were following Jesus, I think most ladies would say, you know what? If we guys got our acts together and made it easier for them, most ladies would be right along with that. And so that's the challenge to us men. We're going to talk about that more next time. But ladies, his response, according to these verses... Is not up to you. 
It actually even says in these verses that God's challenge to you is to seek to have that attitude even if he is what? What did it say? Even if he's what? Read it. Don't look at me. Read it. Even if he's what? Y'all know we're at First Peter? Okay, First Peter. Even if he's disobedient. Even if your husband's disobedient, the Bible calls us, calls ladies to honor the husband's role in the home. Now what does that disobedient mean? It might be that your husband is a Christian, but he's not walking with God like he's supposed to. Okay, he's being disobedient. It might be that your husband's not a believer, that he's never put his trust in Jesus. I think it could probably apply to both situations. No matter what situation, though, the, God, the Bible, God's going to talk to your husband. But this week, he's talking to the wives. You are called by God to follow his lead. Now, again, that doesn't mean blindly follow his direction. But do your best with God's help to respect him and to support his role as the leader of your home. Unless... He asks you to do something that is not honoring to God. Now let's think about that for just a minute. Isn't that what God says in those other situations? If you have a government that you're submitting to and that government asks you to do something wrong, what do you say to them? Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. The Apostle Paul is very respectful. Hey, listen guys. Hey, I love you. All for you. want to support you. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that. Okay? The Bible says that about the workplace. You know, we need to be very careful, no matter who our authority is, that we honor God and not anyone else. Now, some ladies will tell me, Pastor Robbie, I'm sorry I can't come to church or I can't serve because my husband's not a Christian and he doesn't want me to. I need to submit to his leadership. Well, the Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, that we should be looking for ways to encourage one another, to stimulate one another, to love and good works. And we need to be careful not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So ladies, here's how I'd encourage you to handle that. What I would say to your husband is, honey, I love you. I want to spend time with you. Uh, this is not in any way a reflection on you or my love for you. But in order for me to be the best wife that I can be for you, I really need for God to be working in my life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to church or I'm going to go serve or I'm going to do whatever it is God's called me to do. And by the way, honey, every step of the way, I'm thinking, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not neglecting you. I'm not neglecting our family. I love you. I love our family. But there has to be a place in my life for me to love God and serve Him. And just as soon as I get home, I'll be glad to talk with you about what we can do together. Okay, now that's being respectful, but that's obeying who? God rather than man. Now I hope that helps you to see some of the give and take with this idea. Wanting as much as you can to follow His lead but stopping way short of dishonoring God or being a doormat or a yes person. So that gives us an idea of the response that a wife is to have to her husband. Now let's look at the next thing in these verses. It talks about the impact that a wife can have upon her husband. It says submit, and if you do that, something might happen. Now it's not guaranteed, okay? Because here's the kicker with people. People have to make their own decisions, right? Okay, you can do everything you want in someone's life. You can be you can honor God and you do everything, but there, it's not for sure someone's going to respond to God. But God says, as far as you're concerned, ladies, if you will do this, if you will do your part, that opens the door. It's not a guarantee your husband's going to do right, but it opens the door for him to respond to God. If your husband's not all that he could be, he's even disobedient right now. It's possible if you live for God in front of him, you could what? What does it say? You could win him. What is that saying? Okay, ladies, if your husband is not honoring God, 
there's some things God's going to tell us in these verses. If you listen to God, if you honor God in that wife relationship, you could win him. That means if he's a Christian who's not living for God, maybe God's going to speak to him and bring him back to that right place he needs to be. That means if he's not a Christian, he's not trusting God, it's possible God's going to draw him to a relationship with himself because you're doing the things that you're supposed to do in walking with God. And I've never even noticed this until I began to study this this week. It just says you could win him, right? He says that they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. I've always thought of that as being won to the Lord, but I think it even maybe means he's be won to you. Maybe you'd have a closer relationship with your husband and win him over in your own relationship if you listen to the Lord. Now, before we go any further, I want to address something that's being brought up here. Okay? Basically, what these verses are addressing is that husbands aren't always all that they could be. Ladies, please do your best to refrain from a big amen on this, okay? Because <laughs> it's going to hurt our feelings. <laughs> I'm going to share with you here in just a minute just to be careful about discouraging your husband. If you, don't, if you have a husband who is not obeying God, it is possible that through your example, God could win him over. But I want to address the fact that maybe someone who's not disobeying God, but maybe not as impressive as you would hope he would be. Ladies, I'm going to share some things with you in the next few moments that many men in this room wish, and I'm going to do my best because I, I are one, okay? That we wish we could say. We wish our wives could understand. Okay, and guys, here's going to be a good place for you guys to name in. Ladies, it's just true. Again, I'm not trying to throw my guys under the bus. Ladies, at least initially, are usually sharper than men. It's just true. Ladies usually see more than guys do. Ladies usually do more than guys do. I'm talking about initially, okay? I'm just talking about how we're wired. Ladies typically mature faster than guys, right? Ladies tend to lean towards being more spiritual than guys. I mean, just look at teenagers. I mean, look at the difference between teenage girls and teenage boys. I mean, teenage girls are going through all kinds of complicated things and growth and development. Boys, if you're at a youth camp, it's a battle to get them to take a bath that week, okay? Okay, it's a whole different level. Now, wait a second, guys. I know you're thinking, Pastor Robbie, throw us under the bus here. Okay, we're coming back. I'm just being honest. It is true, I believe. But because of this, men get a bad rap. And understandably, guys, are you with me? We deserve some of it, don't we? Many times, we as men have dropped the ball. Would you agree with me, guys? We have dropped the ball. But honestly, ladies, some of the bad rap is undeserved. I want you to listen to me, ladies. Please hear this. I truly believe that most men are hugely untapped potential. And all they need is somebody in this world who will believe in them. And can I say something to you ladies? You are the primary person that God has put into your husband's life to do that ministry. A big part of your role in your husband's life is to say to him that you believe in him as God's man for your home, for your life, for your family. What's brought up here, 
A lady tends to see things. Like I said, a lady tends to notice things. A lady tends to bring them up and thinks that they should change. And she talks about those things. And she's usually right. But when that begins to happen, many times a man starts feeling like the lady is leading the way. She's leading the charge now. And ladies, I'm just trying to help you to understand how your husband thinks. In that circumstance, you see things, you bring it up, you're leading the charge, your husband will get intimidated, he will back off, and he will probably get less impressive than he was before. Now, he needs to work on that. Okay, right, guys? We need to work on that. But you can be a great help if you understand this and you follow God's direction. In fact, I want to share something. I'm going to give you some resources at the end of the message, but there's one book... um, that, uh, that really just uh, talks about, it was actually written by a lady. And, uh, and I'm going to give you the resource at the end of the message here. But she said that she, it surprised her. She was writing a book about something else. And she began to do some research with men. And she began to realize some things that she had never realized about men before. And I really believe, I, when I read that book, I was like, Shannon, I was like, you know, here's a bunch of stuff I don't know how to say, but a lady said it for me. Can you read it? <laughs> okay. Seriously, I I didn't know how to express some of the things that I try to share with her, how I think and how I do things. Listen to seven things that she found. She said, men would rather feel unloved than inadequate or disrespected. Now, that doesn't mean men don't want to be loved, okay? It's saying that there is such a high value in men, a need to be respected, a need to not, to not be uh, shown as being kind of a phony or not good enough. That they would rather, in fact, the studies show that 74% of men marked this. They said, I would rather live my whole life alone without being loved than to be disrespected or seen as inadequate. Wow. That sounds like it's a big deal to men. Listen to the second thing. She said, despite their in-control exterior, Men often feel like imposters and are afraid that their inadequacies will one day be found out. Ladies, that is a huge one. Your husband, if you could see him, you ever see a little boy that other little boys just kind of make look like an idiot? Okay, maybe on the school, on the playground or something like that. Your husband has some of that still in him. Okay, and he's afraid that he's just he's playing in a big boy world and he doesn't have what it takes. He needs to know he's got what it takes, but he's afraid about that. Number three, even if you personally made enough money to support your whole family, it would not change the fact that your husband has an incredible mental burden for a need to provide for your family. And part of that, I think, is given by God. God gave a man the the desire and the ability to be a provider, okay? So no matter what you do, just know your husband's got this incredible pressure in this economy. Even if you're making all the money, he still has this incredible pressure that that's something he needs to take care of. Number four, your desire for sexual intimacy with your husband profoundly affects his sense of well-being and confidence in every area of his life. Number five, even happily married men struggle intensely with being pulled toward both live and, in their memory, images of other women. It's a struggle that men have. Number six, men enjoy and desire romance, but hesitate because they doubt they'll be good at it. And what I mean is, men want to be sweet. Men want to do nice things, but they feel clumsy. They don't feel like, this is not my area. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to look dumb. I'm going to try, I'm going to, try to be sweet. I'm going to try to be nice, whatever. And I'm going to mess this up. I don't feel like I'm good at that. 
And number seven, she said, you don't need to be a size three. But your man does need to see you making an effort to take care of yourself. And he will go to great lengths to help you in that effort. There is something in a man. Now, we've got to be careful because the Bible is going to say here, be careful about the external, focusing on the external. But there is something. A wife can be a blessing to her husband by showing that that is important to her because it's important to him. Now, again, I know that in many ways, ladies, you feel like your husband looks like a little boy. And in some ways he is. But there is a man inside of there. And what God's saying is nagging won't bring him out. Okay? Something else will. Here's how God says he can work through a wife. Contrary to what comes natural to a lady. Ladies are good at words, aren't they? I mean, listen, I remember when I was in seminary, I would come home and Hannah would just, I mean, from the time she was like, I don't know, like three months old, she was saying, it's a good, good, you know, my girls now, I come home, it's just like that. <laughs> you know, me and Josh can be in the truck for an hour and grunt twice and we feel like we've really gotten along. Okay. Okay, so I'm just saying... Maybe it's just my family, all right? (laughs) But ladies, it won't be your words that God is primarily going to use. The Bible says it's going to be your husband what? What does it say here? He says, even if he's disobedient, even if he was just totally off track, that they might be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And then he talks about Uh, Some other things we're going to look at here in just a minute. It's going to be your husband observing. It's going to be your husband watching your behavior, the way you conduct yourself, the way you live your life. Now again, ladies, this is not saying you you can never speak a word to your husband about anything. That's not what it's saying. I think what it's touching on is that a lady would lean towards telling her husband what or how to change something, but that's not the most effective way to deal with your husband. There's two bigger problems with that approach. It may be wrong. We guys need to work on it, but I tell ladies all the time, men do not respond well to their wives telling them what to do. Amen, ladies? So, I mean, I know know you want to fight it. I know we probably should be more humble and more receptive, but the fact is, that's a reality, okay? Also, Men are more visual than verbal. They watch better than they listen. So instead of saying it, show it. And ladies, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Because many of you probably don't think it's true. But he's paying more attention than you think he is. See, guys do that. They'll watch, they'll change, but they won't tell you about it. Okay, (laughs) I know it's a problem we got to work on. We need to be more humble. We need to say, honey, I recognize that. God's working in my heart. I know we need to do that. I'm just saying from the lady's side of it, just realize you don't always have to say things. God's going to work through your example and your husband's watching that. And a wife that realizes that instead of trying to push him can have a huge impact. So what should your husband be saying? It says here, as they watch your behavior, as they observe your chaste, or that means purity. And basically, God's going to give several words here that says, as you become a woman who's close to God, as you become a daughter, a precious daughter of the king, your husband's going to see that and respond to that. God's going to speak to your husband through that. As you, res- as you show respect, and actually many translations uh, translate that respect, but it's actually fear. It's not talking about fear of your husband. It's talking about fear of who? Fear of God. 
Okay, as you have fearful behavior, as your husband sees you as a woman of purity, of chastity is talking about there, as he sees you as a woman who fears God and wants to honor him, that's a way that God's going to speak to your husband. And then he talks about tenderness. He says, God's going to use the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Ladies, I'm going to tell you another secret. I think many ladies do not realize this. Men do not respond to domineering women. They respond to tenderness. They respond to gentleness. They respond to vulnerability. They respond when they, you know, there's something in God's word that, that, that God has created women in a way they are precious, they are special. We're going to talk about this when we talk to the men next week, that guys are like denim and ladies are like silk, okay? That's what I'm talking about. There's something precious, there's something special about ladies, and guys respond. When you act in that kind of a way, guys respond to that. They're drawn to you. I know it sounds kind of silly, ladies. I know you can open that jar of pickles. But every once in a while, just say to him, honey, I can't get this open. Would you open it for me? Man, you'll see a little four-year-old boy come out. Like he's over there helping his mama or something with muscle shirts on. You know, he'll see, I'll take care of that. Pop that thing open. Give me something hard to do. Amen, guys? <laughs> I got ladies, you're like, give me a break. You know, I can open my own pickle jar. I'm just saying. I know us guys, we're a little clumsy. And, and we have a hard time figuring out. You know, God's given us these precious gifts, these ladies. And we have a lot to learn about to treat you as the special creations God has made you. But God will draw some of that out of your husband if you will take the approach that he's talking about in his word. These verses include a couple other things. It says, first of all, as you're showing that beauty, make sure it's on the inside, not a focus on the outside. It says your adornment must not be merely external, braiding hair, wearing jewelry, or putting on dresses. Now listen, some Christians have taken this to mean that ladies should look homely. Okay? Ladies, that's not a good approach. All right? <laughs> Let me just speak for your wives. Wear some makeup. You know, look nice. It's okay. Okay? We talked about that a little bit earlier. The lady that was doing the study, she said, your husband will go to great lengths. He will, he, will, he will bless you in those ways if you desire some of those things. Okay? Because that's a blessing to him. What are these verses saying? They're saying don't focus on those things. Guys, is it not true? You could take a picture of two ladies and one may look like a beauty queen in a magazine. One may be not beauty queen in a magazine but a nice looking lady. Okay? But if this one's got a bad attitude and this one is a godly woman who loves the Lord and shines for Him, every time this one's more beautiful. Amen? Is that not true? Ladies, that's what your husband really needs to see, that God is at work in your heart. There's something about a lady that draws a man that he responds to, that gentleness, that tenderness. There are aspects, and that's part of what drives the relationship crazy. He doesn't understand. And guess what? You don't understand him. And part of that's what makes it crazy, but part of it is if we would, instead of fighting those things, if we would take those differences and realize how God, remember I said male and female? God created us to complement each other. You, you, you can't have a male and female plug if they're both the same, right? They're going to be different, but they were meant to do what? Fit together, to work together. 
Secondly, he talks about looking to the example of other godly women. He talks about Sarah. Sarah honored the, the, what's being used here, the word, the terminology here. Sarah honored, she respected her husband as the leader of their home. And, and, and that's what the Bible's saying. Find people that you can look up to. And let me tell you what, one of the hardest things for me personally. All in all, I mean, there's some days that are not as good as others, but all in all, I want to honor God. How about you? But some days I read the Bible, I don't know what that looks like. Amen, anybody? One of the hardest things about being a godly man or a godly woman is there are not very many examples around. It's hard to find, isn't it? It's odd to find people who have been committed together for a lot. It's odd to find people who take God's Word seriously. So what God is saying to us is find those kind of people and learn from them because they are living the way God says and you're going to see God's blessing on their life. And then God was ready for you ladies because you are smart. You're thinking, okay, I'm pretty sure I'll do my part, but is he going to come through? It says, you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. I think what God's trying to bring out there is, do you trust the Lord? Do you trust the Lord if you honor God, he will bless you. He will take care of you. And it's possible he'll do an amazing work in your husband. And by the way, if I can give you another little hint, if you don't really believe this, even though your husband doesn't say a lot, he senses things. If you don't really believe he's ever going to amount to anything, he knows that. Ladies, I've got to ask you to really pray about something. You've got to come before the Lord and say, God, you put me together with this man. And Lord, <laughs> he's got a long ways to go. But I believe in him. I'm, I'm with him. He's my husband. We're going for life. And your word says you will honor a lady who approaches things the way you say to. And I'm going to believe you brought me together with this man and you're going to honor your word. Ladies, seriously, if you think this is a joke, if you say, Pastor Robbie said it, so I'll try it, but I don't really believe it. Your husband, he'll pick up on that. But if tonight you would say, God, by faith, I believe that in that rough piece of rock, there is an awesome sculpture. God, you can carve it out. And I believe it's going to happen. I have seen men who were not very impressive become pretty awesome guys for God. And a lot of it had to do with because they had a wife who believed in him. Ladies, would you let God speak to your heart tonight? Hey, I know. I know you're saying, but what about his? Guess what? Good news is you know I'm talking to him next week, so you better make sure he's here. Amen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but tonight, we're not talking about him. He's going to have to deal with God on his part. We're talking about you. Are you going to trust God and be the woman God created you to be? Man, would it just melt your hearts tonight? God bless these ladies. Amen? Amen? God bless them. I'm telling you, every good guy I know will tell you, I married up. I mean, they'll tell you. You go around the room, as soon as you say, yeah, we all married, everybody say, up. We all know it. Okay? Tonight, guys, would you let her know that? 
We're going to talk more about that next week. But would you honor her tonight? Would you make it easier for her to obey God and to trust him? Would you help her to see some of that fruit come out of your life? Would you ask God to speak to you about that? God bless her if she's discouraged tonight. Amen? I don't want my wife to be discouraged. Help me to be a better man for her life. Let's bow together before the Lord for just a moment. Maybe there's some kids here that are growing up in our church family. Guys, you're learning some things that you're not going to hear out in the world. Would you let them sink deep in your heart? Would you let God begin to speak to you and teach you how to be a godly woman, how to be a godly man? Would you say, Lord, I want to I honor you one day when I get married. Teach me these things. Maybe God brought you here for something else. Now. Maybe it's about submission. Maybe you're, you have a rebellious spirit in general. And God just says to you, all of us have to submit to somebody, certainly to God. And there's other authorities in our life. We've got to learn how to give, how to yield, how to, how to give way, how to follow when that's our place, when that's the position that we're in in certain areas. And when we are leaders, God will help us to think about those who are following our direction and be servants. Make it a joy and be a blessing to them and serve like Jesus served. Tonight, I wonder if there's somebody here that needs to give your life to Jesus. What we've learned tonight is so overwhelming because it's so countercultural. You say, God, if these are your ways, I don't know your ways. I don't... I can't live the way you've created me to live. God, I need you to save me, to forgive me. I need you to come into my life. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, God. I'm sorry for turning my back on you. Please save me tonight. And help me to be the person that you created me to be. Jesus, work in our hearts. Help us to trust you and to follow you tonight. Help us to start a new revolution. Not many people are living like this. Help us to learn and to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bob's going to lead us in a closing song here in just a minute. I don't know about you ladies, but if I were you tonight, I would say, God, I can't do this. I don't know how. I don't want to. I'm having a hard time believing it's going to work. I would be on my knees and say, God, help me. If this is your way, I don't know how. Would you ask him tonight? Would you call out to the Lord? to help you to be the wife he wants you to be.